is, uh, and this, um, gosh, this is so, this was in Mere Reflection, which is Francois de Troyes' Mirror Bible Facebook posts. Anybody see this this week? It was so good. I was like, that is so good because how many guys grew up like I did where sin was behavior? And uh, we're supposed to avoid the world somehow, right? We're not in the world, but, and really, if you go look at that, it's ek. It's, it really is meaning that my kingdom's not of this world. It's a different kingdom, but we're not supposed to avoid the world. In fact, Jesus came down to demonstrate that uh, flesh and spirit are good. They're one. It's not so. Sin is not behavior. Sin is not do this or do that. And so I'll show you this quote. Let's go to that next slide real quick. I think it's so great. Um, this is what he posted. Sin is singular. It's a noun and it's hamartia that we've talked about. It's the distorted image of what we think about ourselves and who we think God is in our relation to him. Does that make sense? So the whole concept of Adam and Eve in the garden and the, the snake was this twisted identity that man could get that somehow we thought we were separate from God. And that's all religion's ever done, really. You know, whether it's mythological or whether religion is this idea that somehow we're separated from God and then we need all these religious steps to get back. But uh, this is so key to me. Is sin is singular. It's a, it's, a, it's a distorted image of who we are, but its symptoms are plural, meaning that if we don't think we're valuable, if we think we're dirty, if we think we're um, uh, any, any of these human conditions, like most of us are parents or grandparents or something, we try and steal this idea that our kids are valuable and they're, they're worthy and, and good, don't we? And somehow we're supposed to love this perfect love. We love our kids and grandkids, but somehow we're supposed to love this God who's not quite like that, that uh, uh, he wants to have this passionate intimacy with us and this relationship with us. But if you deny him, man, the wrath of God's going to fall on you, right? And that kind of what we were taught. And so guess what? That actually stirs up the, the plural of all this bad behavior. In fact, um, I was just telling Jeff, we were talking about, uh, I just look at my, when I'm traveling, I was traveling this week and, and uh, I just look at my desk a lot of times and I just pick a book that kind of resonates with me. And, and how many of you guys have read Norman Vincent Peale, Power of Positive Thinking? It's so good, actually, when I read it again, I'm like, it's so good. It, it, it really is good. And, and uh, in fact, we had this discussion because I was in this meeting and this, this pastor was there and he's like, you know, uh, uh, the problem I have, he was in this other business and, you know, they're teaching all these things about what's in your heart is what's going to materialize and all this. And it directly contradicts what I teach on the pulpit every Sunday. I'm like, uh, we might want to cut this conversation off now because um, <laughs> you're not going to like me a lot either. So uh, it was just, uh, I told her, I was like, man, it's just this grumpy old Christianity, which I just, oh, it's so repulsive to me now. Um, I'm like, why can't you just smile? How about that smile? That'd be good. Let's smile right? That'd be, that'd be really great. But uh, what he was saying in there is Norman Vincent Peale. This was fascinating to me because um, that's a classic, you guys know. And uh, uh, here's what he said, which it was confirming to me just what I think the Holy Spirit's just revealing to me is, um, and he was sharing this. He said 75% of, of, of uh, students in college, didn't matter if they were Christian or non-Christian, they looked the same to him. He said 75% um, struggle with depression. And I, and I believe, I go, I believe it's because we've been sharing the wrong gospel. We've been sharing the, the bad news for hundreds of years, which is, that's why I about fell out of my chair when N.T. Wright was sharing that at Kelvin College and they didn't like crucify him. Because um, he actually presented God as good. And I was like, whoa, you don't get away with that in, in Dutch Reformed churches, man. God's not good. He's angry. And uh, if you don't accept him and don't mow your lawn, if you mow your lawn on Sundays and all this stuff, man, he's not that good. Don't stretch it, right? 
And so uh, I just I find that fascinating that um, uh, 75% didn't matter if they're Christian or non-Christian deal with depression and invaluableness and, and, and inadequacies. They don't think they'll ever, they don't know if they have it to, to make it in life and all these different things. And I'm like, shouldn't that be different in the church? In my opinion, it should be. Um, but the same thing happened with all the, all the, really the churches I grew up in. It was the same. It was, it was the same. The other thing I thought was very interesting was this. Because he, he basically is the same thing. He's like, the message should be God's good. He's for you, can never be against you. And that should give you from the inside to stir up some, man, I, you mean God loves me perfectly? He's for me. He favors me. He blesses me. Yes. And your behavior does not diminish it. And the other thing he said was this, because he, he studied all these successful businessmen. And he said that, he basically said it, he said the love code and the healing code, but he said it a little more eloquently. And uh, he said this, he goes, it's really a condition of your heart that the kingdom of God is within. I'm like, yes, that's exactly right. It's not an external thing. And they said, the kingdom of God was in its condition of your heart. And he said, the businessmen I studied, it didn't matter if they were pious or unpious. The guys that believed they were going to be successful were successful. I was like, that's exactly right. You guys know what pious is? Like, don't mow your lawn on Sunday and avoid the world. You know, don't do this, don't do that. Have all these uh, rules that we're placing on kids. No wonder, because... They're, they're, uh, well, I grew up like that. Like my, my mom was like this, is like, you never, um, you better never do that. So it's a little ornery boy. What does that do? Oh, I'm doing that. I can't wait to do it. In fact, this is so fun. You better never do that. So what did I do? I did it. Did I tell her? No, it's the worst, exactly what you want, right? And that's why I've seen, unfortunately, so many, so many quote-unquote Christian kids that get out from under mom and dad and they go to college and they go nuts. I saw it all the time because they're finally getting out of legalism. And whether, whether we think we're doing it or not, most Christian teaching is you better not do this, you better not do that, you're avoiding the world, right? And they don't really trust the Holy Spirit to go, you're good, you're valuable, everything you're going to put your hand to, hey, if you ever get in trouble, nothing changes your relationship with us, the parents, nothing changes your relationship with the Heavenly Father, and take this pressure off and allow the Holy Spirit to actually do the things for them, to actually teach them that they're valuable. Does that make sense to you guys? So when we don't believe that, when we believe it's based on our behavior, our relationship with God, its symptoms are plural, and that's so true. So anyway, um, I love the rest of this. It's been a sonship thing from the beginning. No wonder Jesus says freedom indeed is found in the truth of our authentic and redeemed sonship. Even the other brother, the other brother is the older brother, right? Has the father pleading with him, my son, my, my son, you have always been with me. So were they ever separated? Were, they were never separated. So did sin ever separate you from his perfect love? Never, never. That's a, that's a really, uh, the more I understand this and searching the fathers and all these guys, it's such a pagan idea that Christianity's accepted for the last really 1,500 years ever since Augustine, and, and, uh, um, and we've peddled that as the gospel. I'm like, no wonder it's such a mess. I wouldn't want to be a part of that as well. So you've always been with me, and all that I have is yours. Isn't that awesome? So sin, a distorted image, is not about things you do or don't do. It's what? We're missing out on the truth that we're one with him and always have been. That we can go live this, this awesome life that... Everything he has is ours from the start. It's not based on our behavior, not behavior. In fact, that's the distorted image. That's eating from the tree of the good knowledge of good and evil. If I'm good, I'm blessed. If I'm bad, I'm cursed, right? And, and we've been talking about that a lot is 
Then Jesus comes and reveals all these things. He goes, there's only one spirit. There's not this eternal conflict of good and evil. That's a very pagan idea again. It's one spirit. It's one family. It's one surname. It's the name above all names that all humanity's in. So start treating people like that. Isn't that fascinating? Anyway, it's cool to me. So, all right, let's go to the next slide. Does that make sense to you? So sin is not your behavior. When you believe that it's based on your behavior, it actually produces bad behavior. You eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It seems right. There's a way that seems right into a man, but what does it do? It actually kills you. It actually starts to, it doesn't mean physical death necessarily. You start to experience the lack of life. You start to experience the lack of joy. And that's kind of what, when I see these old grumpy guys that think sins, sins uh, separates you from God, man, they're just grumpy. I'm like, you always like that? Do you ever smile, man? Do you, you fall asleep like that? Like grumpy? And uh, I just remember that. I remember Reverend Ryan Brandt, my little Dutch Reformed Church, she said, like, this pointy little finger. And I just thought, man, he's pointing at me. I always thought he was pointing at me. So like, somehow his eyes could reach me. Anywhere. It didn't matter where I was in the church. I was like, geez, man, this guy's looking at me. Um, what was that? That was a guilty conscience, right? And I'm like, I'm, that's why as soon as, I had, as soon as I could get out of there, I was out of there. And so anyway, I was like, I don't need to be told I'm bad. I really feel bad. You guys are just making it worse. So, and we were pretty good, actually, weren't we? We really were pretty good. It's fascinating. You would actually probably like me as your kid. I, really, it was pretty fascinating. It's true. Huh? You like me now? <laughs> That's good. That's good, Martha. I like you too. Thank you. I got one vote of confidence. So, <clears throat> no, <laughs> no, I really, I was like, I'm looking back, I go, man, how's it? Man, my mom had it pretty easy with me. She thought I didn't because I didn't have a curfew and all this stuff, but I'm like, never got in trouble. I got straight A's all through. Wild, actually, when I think about it. And it's because I believed, I, as soon as I could get away from all the religious teaching, I did. I just ignored it. And I was like, somehow I was able to go, blah, 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 blah. I don't want to hear all this religious stuff that I'm bad. And, and, uh, and honestly, I just saw, I saw this, I actually, I saw this happen. I saw the kids do the confession of faith at 13 and put on their promise ring and all this kind of stuff. And guess who the ones who never did it? Them. Because we put this undue pressure on them versus telling them you're perfect and loved and radically forgiven. And then the Holy Spirit can work in their lives. It was really a fascinating thing. And I, I know all these youth groups and everything. I'm like, man, you're killing your kids. It's, man, you don't understand what they're going to do when they get out from school. It's, it's not going to be pretty. So anyway, we got we to gotta tell them who they are in Christ, that they're perfect, forgiven, loved, no matter what. So anyway, so this, the, the, you guys all know this story, but it's really this. If sin is not about what you do or don't do, it produces the do or don't do if you think that it's about that. Does that make sense to you guys? The law stirs it up. It says the law was given, so that was increased. So this is the, uh, the prodigal son story. It should really be called the heart of the father because both sons got it wrong. And so let's just read this. And I think there's some pretty cool parts in this thing. So uh, then he said, a certain man had two sons. And I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, well, you guys know the story, right? He, he, he went out and riotous living is what I think King James says. Riotous living. Um, I did a little riotous living. Everybody... Anybody do riotous living? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> My God, that was pretty adamant. Like, yes, sir. That's what I always said. Barb and I, when we first got married, I go, we were good at it. We were good at riotous living. It was, it was a riot. It was fun. So um, anyway, 
I'm not telling you to go do that, but I, I believe it was still that residual holdover of like, don't do this, don't do that. And you're like, the heck with this, I'm going to go have fun because this is just wearing me out. So, so he, he, he goes away to a, he, he says he attached himself to a, a, a foreign people, right? Basically, he started to live out of the flesh, meaning that I don't think I'm worthy versus living out of the spirit that I'm always a son despite what I do. So he attached himself to the first Adam where, hey, as in Adam, all die. So if we think that we're separated from God, what happens? We, we, we're separated from life itself and we start to experience the lack of joy, lack of, lack of abundance, lack of everything because we don't believe the right thing about ourselves. So that's where then he comes in. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and earth before you. Isn't that what we think? Right? And it was, is that true in God's eyes? No, sin was the idea that you could do that. That's the distortedness of man. It's singular. It's a noun. So I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me feel, make me like one of your hired servants. So in his heart, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So this is 75% of college students that Norman Vincent Peale was talking about. I don't feel worthy to be blessed. Does that make sense? And then uh, uh, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still great, way off, his father saw him. Actually, you know what? I think, um, I forget what translation I took this out of. But uh, what it actually says is he came to himself. He came to himself. Meaning that when he turned and he saw the father, who did he see? Himself. This is kind of a bad translation, but you get the idea. And he rose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. He wasn't angry. He, was, he, he had compassion. He said, I had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And there's been a lot of talks on that where like it's this in Hebrew where when they fall on their neck like that and hug each other, that it's like this ultimate uh, expression of, I can't tell you how much I love you. <clears throat> so I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but the father had a different idea. So when he was still a great way off, meaning that he was still in his mind not worthy. It doesn't mean distance necessarily, even though it's reading like distance. So his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck. And the son said to the father, said, said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and earth in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But, see, this is where the good buts, right? But the father said to his servants, bring the best robe. So what's the, what's the best robe in Scripture? The royal robe of righteousness right? Does that make sense? Of perfection, of completeness. He goes, put the robe back on, put the signet ring back on. The signet ring meant that uh, you have the authority of, of everybody in the house. So you're not a servant, you're in royalty. Does that make sense? Put the signet ring back on his hand and sandals on his feet. You, know, you guys have heard me talk about that enough. Sandals, the slaves were barefoot kind of. And uh, so if you were in the house, you put on slippers though meaning you don't do menial labor to be blessed by the Father. You're one with the Father. Does that make sense to you guys? So it doesn't mean don't work hard. I think he loves us to work hard. It was, it was, it was imagery going, hey, put the slippers back on him. You're, you're part of the household. You don't have to go work for my blessing. You have it for free. And you thought you were separated from me, but nothing could separate you. So what could separate us? Guilt, shame. I think I did this wrong. I think I did that wrong. I wonder if I'm worthy enough. Uh, man, I did this. I guess I'm not part of the household anymore. And I see a lot of cultures do that, unfortunately, where, hey, you don't shame our name, right? You're setting yourself up to get your name shamed. It's what you're, what you're really doing there. And so, because uh, uh, that's, not, that's not love. 
That's conditional. That's, I, we love you, but you never better do this. Does that make sense? And God's not like that. We're like that. Humanity's like that, but God's not like that. So <clears throat> um, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put the ring on his hand, sandals on the street, bring out the fatted calf here and kill it and let us do what? Pray and fast. Tongue a lot. Bring in the fatted calf here, kill it, let us eat and be merry. In fact, uh, when I was in Reno this week, there, there's, a, there's a, a friend of ours, and, and I was looking out, there's this, uh, it kind of looked like this European cafe. There were three people sitting there, and you could tell they were just having the, the time of their life, having a glass of wine, whatever. When they got, her and her mom got in the car, I said, that's life right there. They're enjoying life. They're not in a Bible study. They're not doing this. They're, they're experiencing life. They, that was the farthest thing from their mind was um, whether I'm good or bad, etc. They're just enjoying fellowship. They're enjoying companion with each other. And it was just su such a striking difference to me. I was like, God, they're enjoying life. That's what it's about. Let's eat and be merry. Does that make sense to you guys? And uh, yes, there's a time for mourning. And we'll, we'll, we'll do that with you as a body. That's, it's, we'll, we will share in your, in your pain and sorrow, etc. But at the same time, we're going to go, it's not that bad is we're here for you. What's the worst that could happen? You could slip in out of this earth suit and be one with him face to face. It really can't, he, he's even taken away of the fear of death is what it says. Is, uh, we don't even have to worry about that because Jesus demonstrated, I've conquered distortedness and death. All I have for you is life. Isn't that good? I love that, in fact. So anyway, so bring this fatted calf here, kill it. Let us, let us be joyful. For this, my son was dead. Was he dead? See, it's not this physical death. What he's saying is he was experiencing everything that he was not experiencing everything that the father had provided for him. Because why? Because he didn't feel he was worthy. Was God willing to give it at any time? Did he already freely give it all the time? Yes. But boy, is that hard, man. You know, whenever I'm talking to people, almost always this comes out. This, I, you know, I don't feel worthy is really what at the end of the day starts coming out. Man, I'm struggling with this. I get it. Uh, but let's just focus on our oneness. Let's just focus on what's really true about us in the spirit, not your struggle. Does, does that make sense? And I'm telling you, the more you just, you get off this good, bad tree and just, you know what? I'm good. I'm whole. I'm healthy. I'm prosperous. I'm healed. I'm one with him. Just that's the reality. That's, that's how it is. We start to we start to live that way versus all the weirdness that we get. And, and uh, anyway, so this is my son. So he was dead. He was dead is what it said, even though he wasn't physically dead, but he wasn't experiencing life. Death is just lack of life. Does that make sense to you guys? So if he's not, it, uh, poverty is the lack of what? Abundance. Is, uh, do we have it already? Yes, that's what it says. So we're experiencing death when we don't believe that we already have it, when we're, when we're trying to judge ourselves by what we see here. If we do that, guess what we're going to experience? More of that. That's why I'm not big on the whole, Brent and Leslie, we were, we were talking about this the other day, is, I'm not going to name names, but the whole get out of debt and all this kind of things is, is it, I, I don't like it at all because it, I'm not telling you to not do that, but I don't like it because it gets you focused on the what? Live miserly because you screwed up and got yourself in this position. I don't like it. I like, man, yeah, did I screw up and get myself? Yes, all of the mistakes are ours, aren't they? All of them are. So what, but what's the truth about us? The reality is, is what's true about you in the spirit. Hey, this, guess what? You may have done this, but I make all things work together for good. Wonderful. Amen? 
All right, so this is my son. He was dead, but now is alive again. He was, was he alive before? Yes, and still he started to attach himself to a foreign people, meaning somebody that's not in covenant. That's what foreigner always meant, is somebody that's not in the family of God. The Jews thought they were the only one, but it was a type and shadow of one nation's going to represent all nations. One man's going to represent all men. And so anyway, he was lost. <clears throat> was he still his son, even though he was lost? Yes, but now he's found. Amen? Does that make sense? All right, let's go to the next. Let's go to the older brother. All right, so the older brother, I'm, I'm skipping some stuff in there because just for time-wise. We good? Now I'm going to get you out in record speed. I might even get to watch the eighth or ninth inning tonight. So uh, the good guys are winning, huh? Four years. My wife's watching it. Oh, you just got game cast on? That's a good woman right there. I love that right? <laughs> That'll get your hand slapped in the church I grew up with, wouldn't it? The pastor's wife's watching the Yankees game. See, I fall in love with you more like that, sweet. So uh, <laughs> Luke 15, 28, but he was angry. Who's angry? The religious dude, right? Go look. Anytime Jesus said there will be weeping of gnashing of teeth, it's not when you get thrown into to this future tense hell. He was telling the Jews that this whole thing's about ready to go up, and you're going to be thrown into the valley of Gehenna, which is translated as hell in English. And guess what happened? When the Jews thought that, that God's on our side and we're going to rebel against Rome, lots of Jews got thrown into the valley of Gehenna, into hell. Yeah. There was weeping and gnashing of teeth. The weeping and gnashing of teeth always came from the religious guys when, when, when Jesus tried to share, no, I, I love all people and I'm good. And the only people I resist are the religious guys that put undue pressure on people. It says, you, why are you putting these yokes on people that ye yourselves can't follow? Isn't that true? And those are the only guys he pushed back on. It's fascinating. So, but he was, <laughs> so the father's pleading with him to come into the house. The house meant come in. Come into the surname. Come into the family. Does that make sense? Come in, the house was always, it, the, 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 the name of that house, the surname, is the, the name of the house. He's like, come into the house. So, so he answered and said to his father, no, I didn't mow my lawn on Sunday. Um, I, I did all this stuff. I prayed. I did this. Um, I used scripture to accuse the, the unrighteous guy. Don't we see that a lot? You, you want a radical one. Listen to Brad Jerzak and Michael Harden, Thus Say Tom. And uh, it, there'll be some shockers in there. But so, it makes so much sense to me now that uh, Jesus was criticizing the religious people for using Scripture to accuse others. Isn't that what we see today? When, when pastors and ministries and everything go, the Bible says, right? What are they doing? The, thus Satan literally means the transducer or accuser. We become the Satan. We become the accuser with the exact book that's supposed to give us life. Isn't that fascinating? And that's what they were doing. And so anyway, um, so he said, Lo, all these years I've been serving you, meaning who, who has to work for the, the blessings of God? Servants. Remember that what we just saw? Hey, I, the servants get treated better than me. And he said, you're not a servant. Put the shoes back on. You don't have to serve me to enjoy the blessing." Does that make sense? And a good way to think of this, if you're struggling with this, is we didn't have our kids and say, now serve me. But that's this idea we have of our Heavenly Father. If we understand that enough, 
Uh, now there are, there are families that do that, that, um, Hey, they're there to serve me. And I kind of grew up that way as farm, farm family, right? Farm kids. It's just right. So then we kind of deal with that. Can't we? Um, Hey, kids are to be seen and not heard and service. What, what does that do to our heart though? We don't really, there's not this intimacy with parents then. Does that make sense? They're kind of like they're taskmasters. And that's not, that's the last thing he wants to have with you. And so anyway, you guys get that? Does that, that make sense to you? Is you're not servants. And so you don't have to serve. Um, <clears throat> I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. Uh, is sin following the commandments? No. Sin is distortedness in our minds. That we think that we're separated from God based on our behavior. Does that, does that make sense to you guys? All right. So <clears throat> I've never transgressed the commandment at any time. He's just doing it. Because what is, what is, when Jesus said, hey, what's the most important commandment? What is Jesus' reply? And there's only one commandment there if you look at it. I know people try to make it too, but he says, good teacher, I forget what he says, rabbi or good teacher, he says, what's the most important commandment? And what does he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Is he just transgressing the commandment right here? <laughs> yeah, he's transgressing the commandment. But in his mind, he's not. He's self-righteous, right? And I'm telling you this, is when you start trying to base your blessing on whether, you, whether you're worthy enough or not worthy enough, most of the time it's a downward spiral and you start to experience death. The harder you try, the worse it gets. I've experienced that. That's why I told her, we were just talking about, was this yesterday? Remember we were talking about salvation experience and all that? I was like, man, I went backwards when I got saved. Life just worked and I was excited and I just thought God likes me, you know, and uh, and this is good. Religious kids are struggling, so I'm just going to stay over here. And then I got saved, and then I was taught, God only blesses you if you do these things. And you know what I start to experience? Death. That's like, what? This, this dad sucks, actually. He's a bad dad. And did we want to go share the gospel? Never. I'm like, this is bad news. Who would I share this with? And then, honestly, I'm, I'm eyeing all my other friends over there going, son of a gun. I'm like the older brother now. That looks like so much more fun. But I got this church thing. Because God's only going to bless the righteous. You know, he's it's laid up the wealth for the, the righteous. Who's he laid it up for? All humanity. Because in him, all's righteous. But we think it's the good guys versus the bad guys, right? And how is God blessing that guy? That's what Norman Vincent Peale said. The pious were looked no different than the Christian. The ones who just believed in their heart were prosperous. Didn't matter if they're Christian or not. It's like, yes, that's the kingdom of God. It's within so now we've got a better part of that gospel that we're completely forgiven, radically loved, and righteous. So we don't have to deal with all the negative side of that. So anyway, um, all right. So we answer this, Father, lo, this many years I've served you. I've done all this stuff. Uh, I've, never, I've never transgressed your commandment except right now. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. I equate this to, to most people, most Christians in prayer. Most Christians in prayer do something like this. Um, Lord, I'm praying. In fact, I called the prayer chain. And I'm getting people into agreement with me. And uh, what am I doing wrong? Because they're not experiencing life. They're not experiencing answered prayer. Does that make sense? That's what I see, that they're, they're really trying to do this. Why are you doing this to me, Lord? How come this is not working? I've done all these things. I've prayed, I've fasted, I've done this. What am I doing wrong? That's usually what the, command, that's usually what the final question is. And uh, what's, what's the Father's answer? You've never done any of this for me. 
that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as the son of yours came, who had devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf. And what did the son literally do? If you, if you look at it in the Greek, it said he, he saw himself. He saw that, wow, I'm, I'm one with the father. Everything the father has, that's, that's the real me. Not this distorted image of this foreigner that I am, that I'm outside of covenant. I'm in covenant. I turned to myself and went back to the house. So anyway, so the older brother, but as soon as your son came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, she goes, avoid the world is what they're trying to say. Here's how God's going to bless you is avoid the world. Now, here's what I know that I know that I know. If they know they're radically loved and forgiven, they typically avoid the world better than the people who are trying to avoid the world. Have you guys experienced that in your own life? I've seen it over and over and over. So, but as soon as this son of yours came who has devoured their livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. The father's answer is perfect to me. And he said to him, son, you've always been with me and all that I have is yours. Come into the house. Come into the realization that this has always been true about you. Everything I have is yours. So we're not trying to, we're not just trying to pray it into existence. We're not trying to do enough tongues until our unbelief gets above our belief. I, I believe this. Sometimes you get quiet when you're praying in tongues and different things like that, where all of a sudden it kind of bubbles up in your spirit. But there's been other times where I'm tongue and tongue and tongue and tongue and, and it, nothing. And then as soon as I just start thinking on these things, things on good things, boom, it's, it rises up in my heart. It's just faster that way. So you can do what you want. You want to wear yourself out and get cotton mouth, go for it. But it's within. It's within. The kingdom of God is within. It's in the spirit realm, it says. So everything he has is yours, and you've never been separated from him. He loves you perfectly. So, so sin is not doing or not doing. Boy, is that hard to get off of people. You know, like I said, like in, in business, I, I hear all that teaching. If you do this, then this. Um, only for the guys who believe it. There's plenty of other guys serving, 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 and they're like the oldest brother. I'm doing this, I'm doing this. They're going through all the instructions, the business instructions, and all these things. But Lord, well, then, then all the teaching I got is, well, the appointed time hasn't come yet. Just stay patient. Patient this after a while. You know, I'm like... I don't want to be patient anymore because hope deferred makes my heart sick. <laughs> I want it. And the, the reality is you have it. Live in the moment that you already have it, that everything I have is already yours, and then you'll come faster than you realize it. It's really pretty cool. So anyway, let's go, let's go to the last slide. You can get to your feet. Does this, does this help you guys? Yes. Does this make any sense to you? So it's not if you did this or did this. Is try see yourself what's already true about you and God. You're already prosperous. You're already valuable. You're already radically forgiven. In fact, he's never kept any record of wrong. He's never, he, he, he's with you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to radically bless you because that's just what he does. He, he can't change. He's not an earthly father that changes and he's not like, uh, uh, every promise is yes and amen. It's all the things I'm sharing with you guys over and over and over, but it, it simply comes down to spend time thinking about that. So what it, spend time thinking about the end result as if it's already done. See yourself healthy. See yourself joyful. See yourself prosperous. See yourself, as you close your eyes, think about that. This is who I am in God's eyes. Does that make sense? And then you'll see how fast it actually comes versus I've, you'd be like the older brother, like, what is going on? You start getting angry, right? What is wrong with me? What is wrong with this guy? Then you start pointing fingers and accusing other people that just seem to do it effortlessly. And uh, why don't we just do what they do? They just believe in their heart that it's already done. So anyway, sin is not about doing or not doing. It's about missing out on sonship. You guys get that, that whole prodigal son? The father never changed. 
The older brother thought he had to work for it, so he wasn't experiencing it. He was eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the younger brother thought, oh, I'm bad. That's the, that's the evil part, so he didn't feel worthy. The older part said, I'm good, so I should be, deserve to be blessed. Right? Did they both experience lack of the father? Yes. Yes. So <clears throat> that's what I want you to get. It really impacted me when I was reading Norman Vincent Peale. I was like, man, that's the, that's the condition of the church is 75% of the people don't feel valued. didn't matter whether that's, that's people outside the church, inside the church. What I'm talking about is modern Christianity, what we would say. Um, all are his body. So all are really the church, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Is we're, we're supposed to have to act together a little bit like the city on the hill that people should desire what we have. And so I would tell you this, is they're not going to when you're angry and preaching at them. I've been experiencing that. That's the last place I'm going to go. So... Anyway, and I believe like Brad and Paul Young and these guys. Paul Young's really got a revelation of a loving father, which I just love, which is why he sold 20 million books. So anyway, uh, you can let all feelings of guilt, unworthiness be consumed by his love and truth. That's really who he is, right? So I don't know how you do it, but the the best way I try to do it is is I'm feeling a certain way, etc. I consciously start going the opposite of that. I go, you know what? I'm perfectly loved. So if there's anything we've done wrong, in the past, thinking about wrong thoughts, etc. So you know what? I'm perfectly loved. He he keeps no record of wrong, and just let that kind of wash your your heart and go. I'm valuable. I'm worthy to be blessed. I'm prosperous. I'm whole in every way. God loves me like His only Son. That's how valuable I am. That's that catalasso. That reconciliation is. You're co-equal with Him down to the very last penny. That's how valuable you are. Does that make sense to you guys? And if you take a few minutes every day and just do that. Versus, uh, uh, and you know, if you've got, a, if you've got a, a way that makes you really feel good, you know, if you have a set time where you get into scripture, if you have a set time where you pray, etc. But I would just, even five minutes, just spend some time and just let his love, his valuableness, his worthiness, just wash away any guilt, any shame, any lack of value. Just spend time on that a little bit every day. And I think you'll be surprised uh, how fast you see it turn around, how you, you start to realize that everything he has is already mine. I've been trying to work for it. And that, that can become work, guys. When you, when you wake up, the first thing is, I've got my Bible time. I've seen it become work for a lot of people where, uh, so I just tried. We probably were in it every day, actually, but, but not out of a religious thing. You know, if I, if I miss reading the scripture, you know what I do? That was a great cup of coffee. I don't even think about it, honestly. It's just, so I don't have this, this religious exercise if I don't, see, I don't believe if I get into the Bible more, I'm going to experience life because I've seen people for 30, 40, 50 years get into the Bible way more than me and experience nothing but death. The lack of love, lack of joy, all these different things because they've made it this ritual that somehow that if I'm just in that thing and getting into the word more means realizing your oneness with perfect love. That's getting into the word more. It's not necessarily reading the scriptures more. Got it? Okay. All right, so the kingdom is within, is what you believe about yourself is what you start to experience. So just start to experience, I'm valuable, I'm loved, he keeps no record of wrong, I'm already prosperous, I'm already whole in every way. And watch what it does, amen? Does that help you guys? All right, so Father, we love you, we praise you, we magnify you. Oh, just give us a revelation of the Father, your heart. There's nothing that we could do like the younger brother that separates us from you, that makes us unworthy to receive. It's what's in our heart. And believing 
that you withhold blessing or you withhold your love or you withhold anything based on my behavior is what causes me to experience it. And just let us get like the older brother where the kingdom's in the spirit. It's in the unseen. It's not what we do or don't do. It's not by observation is what you said. It's within. So it's the condition of our heart. So Father, just let any, any ideas of we're better if we do this or we're a little bit worse if we don't or we need to do something more to be blessed by you or loved by you. Let us get the revelation that everything you have has always been ours and we're in your family. You love us perfectly as your only spoiled child. And we just thank you for that revelation. Father, let, this, let that idea of perfection just well up in their hearts right now, that you see them perfectly healed. You see them perfectly loved. If there's any guilt, if there's any shame, if there's any idea of separateness, is you've demonstrated in Christ that that was the, the original lie, that somehow we could be separated from perfect love. Nothing can separate us from perfect love. And somehow our behavior or lack of behavior can separate whether you're for us or not. And you clearly said God's for us. So nothing that's external can be against us. It's just the condition of our heart. So Father, we thank you that we're radically blessed. Thank you that we're radically whole and healed. We think we're radically healthy. Thank you that we're radically joyful. We're in you. So that we can experience it like never before. Life and life more abundantly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.